Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the 91st edition of Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. It's good to have some warmer weather back across most of the cotton belt. And uh, as we know, growers in the southernmost regions are already in the fields planting corn or other crops and getting ready for cotton. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower. And as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles. Frank, we're starting to see some early signs of progress in these southern regions, uh, the Mid-South and Texas. What are, you, uh, what are you hearing from your friends over in the southeast? Southeast has been wet uh, the last several weeks. Uh, we did have some nice, nicer weather over the weekend, and it's been really windy, so maybe it'll get things starting to dry out here, so uh, field work can get rolling here sooner than later. I'm, I'm sure, like most growers, they're just sort of chomping at the bit to get, those, uh, get the tractors out and, and start moving dirt around. But, uh, but with planting season for cotton quickly approaching, uh, we want to take some time today to start talking about insects and, and not necessarily the ones we want to control, but the ones that help with control. Uh, obviously, we're talking about beneficial insects, how to identify them and some of the advantages they bring to the cotton field. And to help us with our discussion, Eddie McGriff, an Alabama Regional Extension Agent for Agronomic Crops and our, uh, and our own beneficial insect in expert, going to join us in the virtual Cotton Companion studio here in just a few minutes. But first, we want to take a quick look at some of the recent headlines from across the cotton belt. If Fexapan was part of your plans for treating dicamba tolerant crops and soybeans this year, you'll need to find another option. Corteva AgriScience has announced that it is discontinuing sales of Fexapan in the U.S. and Canada and will instead shift its resources and focus to support the Enlist weed control system. Fexapan was one of four dicamba formulations for dicamba tolerant cotton and soybeans. Ingenia, Extendimax, and Tabium are now the only registered dicamba formulations on the market. If you've already purchased Roundup Ready to extended, extend dicamba tolerant soybeans for the season from one of Corteva's seed brands, the company will allow the use of other registered dicamba herb herbicides on those crops. Some news for our listeners in the Pima cotton country, as Phytogen has announced, it is adding a new variety, Phytogen 807RF, to its Pima portfolio for 2021. The new variety was selected after consistently showing exponential yield increases in university trials with high quality length and fiber characteristics, a greater yield potential and tolerance to Fresenium wilt race four. Based on USDA planting data for 2020, phytogen varieties were planted on 87% of U.S. Pima acres last year. Uh, phytogen 807RF is being positioned as a companion, in, companion to Phytogen 881RF, which is known as the industry Pima standard. And finally, AMVAC is now accepting applications for its 2021 Cotton Industry Advancement Scholarships. The scholarships, each worth $2,000, will be awarded to seven qualified students. To be considered for the scholarship, applicants must be nominated by a practicing cotton consultant, have worked for a cotton consultant at some point between 2019 and 2021, and either be a senior in high school or currently enrolled full-time in an undergraduate or graduate level agricultural program at an accredited college or universities. 
Winners will be selected by a panel of judges and awarded based on the merits of their applications. Two regional winners will come from the Southeast, Mid-South, Southwest, plus one winner from either California or Arizona. Nomination information can be found online at amvac.com forward slash scholarship. To be considered, all applications must be complete and submitted by July 1st, with the scholarship winners being announced by August 13th. Well, that's great. That that MVAC scholarship is a, is really an excellent program. We we visited about the scholarship last year on on the Cotton Companion with Paul Vaculin from MVAC, and I was certainly very impressed with their reasons for putting the program in place. Uh, it's it's really well conceived, and it has certainly benefited twenty plus students here over the last three years. So uh, maybe we can bring Paul in again later this year to uh, to announce the twenty twenty one recipients with us. But right now it's time to change focus and, and talk about some of our smallest allies in insect control. Uh, Frank, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest for today. I want to welcome Eddie McGriff here today on the Cotton Companion uh, virtual studio. Uh, Eddie is a agronomics uh, crops Alabama extension agent and we're here to talk about beneficials insects. But before we do, Eddie, welcome and we're glad to have you here today. Thank you. We we'll appreciate it. Well, tell us a little before we get into beneficial insects, just give us a little bit of back, background about yourself and your relationship with cotton over the years. Well, my family has actually grown cotton since the 1700s. And uh, I grew up in a small rural community uh, in Coleman County called Fairview. And I went to school at Auburn, graduated in 1981. And soon after that, I started as a county agent in Southwest Georgia in uh, Calhoun County. I was there for four years and then went to the very corner of the state almost in Decatur County and stayed there 17 years. Went to um, uh, Coffee County for 10 years, which is in the southeast part of the state or the middle of the state. So I had about 30 years working in uh, South Georgia as a county agent. Uh, all those counties were uh, big cotton counties. So really got into the cotton. Peanuts was our other main crop. After, I, uh, after that, I spent uh, four years working as a multi-state agronomist for Southern states before coming back to home to uh, Coleman, North Alabama. I'm a regional agent now for agronomic crops. That's basically all the row crops, including cotton. And uh, I work the northeast part of the uh, state. So I have about 10 counties that, that I work. Very good. Well, our listeners may have uh, seen in Cotton Grower Magazine a series of articles that we're running that you have authored on beneficial insects. And uh, we've gotten some good feedback on that. Tell us a little bit about what sparked your interest in beneficial insects. I know it's something that's often overlooked out there. Well, I, I think what sparked my interest is when I first started as a county agent, of course, we had the boll weevil. And down in southwest Georgia, we were making 15 to 18 sprays, sometimes as much as 20 uh, sprays with non-selective pesticides. So we were basically eliminating most everything from the field. Well, when we got the boll weevil eradication program in place, there was some, you know, 
a little bit of a hard time because uh, we had a beet armyworm outbreak, which we may talk about in a little bit. But after we got the uh, a boll weevil eradication program in place, then uh, we really started using less pesticides. Went from 18, uh, 15 to 18 down to about five or six. And most of these were sprays for the uh, budworm, bollworm complex. And then in 1996, with BT cotton, we really uh, eliminated most of our uh, insecticide sprays. Uh, we had some unintended consequences. We were, when we were spraying, we didn't realize it, but uh, after we quit spraying for the budworm, bollworm with the pyrethroids, uh, we had an unexpected pest, and that was a stink bug. And I think stink bug is our number one pest, at least here in uh, uh, North Alabama. Eddie, just, uh, you know, I, of course, looking over the articles that uh, and information that you've, you've prepared for, for Cotton Grower and that we've been publishing in it, I found the whole thing about beneficials. I've known about them, obviously, for a number of years, but I find it more fascinating to get involved in, in some of the details on it. What would you say to a grower that, that doesn't really believe or feel that beneficials do that much in their fields? Well, probably the reason they don't think beneficials do that much is a lot of the beneficials that are carrying the heavy load is we don't ever see. That's those <clears throat> small wasps that are controlling aphids and, and worms and small insects that are getting the, uh, the uh, bollworm eggs and attacking other harmful insects. So a lot of these uh, insects we don't see, and I divide them into two categories, and that's the, the predators, and a lot of the predators we, we will see, that's like the lady beetles and the lace wings and the fire ants, and then the uh, parasites. And if a grower doesn't think that beneficial insects, and I can include the uh, insect diseases, don't help them, just think about the aphid. We rarely spray for aphids their pressure uh, will build up and a lot of these beneficial insects will come in. You see a lot of different species of lady beetles, uh, lace worms, uh, excuse me, uh, lace wings. A lot of the insects are just keeping the population under control. And then we have the cotton aphid fungus came, come and it's really regular. And once their populations build up, it completely wipes out the aphid population within a few days. So if a grower doesn't think that's beneficial, then uh, he's, he's gonna be spraying for aphids, you know, several times if it wasn't for the cotton aphid fungus and these other beneficial insects. So I, I would say to this grower that beneficial insects, uh, as, as uh, uh, Tennessee entomologist Scott Stewart said, they're a unique mode of action, but they're also free. He's getting the benefits. We're starting to, to kind of quantify how much benefit these uh, beneficial insects are. Uh, we have a good study on the, uh, out in the uh, far west by uh, Peter Ellsworth. And the, their main concern there, one of their main concerns is white flies. And they actually have a scale that they used to determine uh, when to spray. And that's based on the amount of beneficial insects that they have, especially six major species. And they have quantified that they get somewhere from 35 to $50 an acre benefit from beneficial insects. So that's, that's something that the growers are getting free 
that uh, most of the growers out in Arizona in the far west realize that. But if a grower doesn't realize just how much beneficial insects are doing, uh, I think they're missing the boat. I can I can guarantee you that is speaking from experience. By stepping into a, a couple of fire ant mounds, I don't think a lot of growers would really think those are beneficial at that moment when they're crawling up your legs. No, no. And, and the, the fire ants will actually protect the aphids and feed on the honeydew. So when you're out there scouting, you'll, you'll get uh, bit and stung several times just from them getting on to you. But uh, my uh, good friend who's just retired as a cotton entomologist, uh, after 48 year, years here in, in Alabama, Ron Smith, he said that insect, especially in conservation tillage, probably is the reason that we don't have to spray for escape bollworms. So they're really doing a lot of, a lot of times they're up in the, um, uh, at nighttime, they're up in the blooms, they're searching for these escape bollworms and their eggs. And uh, then one does happen to mature and drop to the ground uh, to pupate they're on them also so uh, they're doing they're doing some heavy lifting and we may not even realize it Eddie you mentioned earlier the severe uh, army worm outbreak back in the 1980s uh, I did want to talk about that a little bit because I happened to be a cotton scout in Georgia when that occurred and I mean, it was really pretty remarkable some of the cotton fields I went in when those army worms were just completely defoliating fields you could I remember one field I walked into you could literally hear the frass dropping uh, hitting the leaves of the cotton that were still remaining what little leaves were left but you could hear it and uh, it was a very very remarkable outbreak talk a little bit about what happened there and what what we learned from that even before the boll weevil eradication program, we didn't realize how much the beneficial insects were doing. And they had one beneficial insect called the Cotesian wasp. And what it will do is it will sting uh, worms, and mainly the beet army worm, lay an egg or eggs into that worm, and then the eggs will uh, uh, hatch out in the grubs. They'll feed in that worm. Of course, that worm immediately quits feeding. You can imagine if you had a growth in, in your body uh, like that, they'll quit feeding and then they'll hatch out and they'll spin these little fuzzy cocoons that look like uh, small grains of rice. So you'll, that's how you know you, you have the Cotesian wasp. Uh, I think one thing that was always interesting uh, when I was coming uh, out of college, they had a movie called Aliens where they, uh, the 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 uh, the monster in the movie or the alien, uh, you know, put a uh, egg into a human body and then it popped out. Well, I think they stole that from some of the beneficial insects. But what we were doing is uh, when we started the bow weevil eradication and the diaphos sprays, we not only were spraying the fields but we were spraying the borders and the edges of the fields, and this was something that we didn't do. Uh, when we were spraying our other insecticide. So these Cotesian wasps, after they were, uh, these fields were sprayed before the boll weevil eradication program, their populations would rebound in the borders of the field and then come back into the cotton fields and uh, help control the, uh, the beet armyworms. And we didn't even realize it. We didn't even realize it 
But once we wiped them out along the edges, it was miserable. I mean, they were taking over cotton fields. They were burning up stems. They were attacking seedlings, something we never seen them do before. I remember a, a group of uh, entomologists and uh, farmers came to visit me and they were on a tour of Georgia and they were going to uh, start the boll weevil eradication program in Texas. And they asked me um, what I could, what they could expect from it. And I, I told them, you can expect two years of hell because during that time, the beet army worms will, you know, will just literally destroy your crop. And um, two years later, they called me back after they started and they said, you were right. These, it was miserable. If you know, there's a lot of publicity in Texas, especially uh, down in the south part of the state about how bad the beet army worms were. So once we got the uh, bow weevil eradication program in place, and once we uh, quit spraying so much for bow, uh, the bow weevils, the cohesion wasps populations rebound, but we didn't have as many insecticide sprays, and we, we haven't seen a problem with beet army worms since then. Yeah, I remember it being remarkable that there were some stories of uh, uh, paved roads between two cotton fields that were slick because of uh, cars running over the beet army worms. That, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but it, but it was bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, was, it was a rough time to be a county agent because you'd be getting all these calls from farmers. What can we do to control them? And we didn't have any insecticides that labeled or even available that would control the beet army worms. And anything we sprayed actually made the, the problem worse. And, and the farmers naturally would want to do something. And I told them the best thing we can do is nothing. And that's something they didn't want to hear. So it was, it, we, in the county I went into, uh, uh, Decatur County, we went in, uh, there was 380 acres, and and within four years we were growing 44,000 acres. And all these farmers said, "You got us to grow this cotton. Now this worm is taking over. You you really got us uh, into trouble." And so it was really a a bad time for me uh, personally. But everything worked out after that. Yep. You know, we we talk about weed shifts due to technologies, and and you know maybe. Are you seeing any newer pests or maybe not new pests, but what are some of the insect pests and cotton that seem to be on the rise uh, in the past few years? Well, I think the biggest pest, as I mentioned before, for us is stink bugs. Uh, we, uh, we need to really be on guard for stink bugs, scouting them, and you're looking at the damage. Uh, the other thing that we need to look at is uh, We've done some research on spraying at one leaf stage using the thrips infestation predictor model uh, to trigger a spray at one leaf spray because with thrips, once you see the damage, uh, you've lost a lot of yield potential. So you need to spray them early. They'll get into that small cod lead and feed and keep feeding and keep damaging, delaying not only uh, delay maturity and, and cost you yield. But this year at, uh, or I should say 2020, we uh, used the thrips and infestation predictor model, triggered a spray at one leaf, and you could tell the difference year long. Uh, 
at the end of the year, we got 180 more pounds just from that one spray with uh, Intrepid Edge, which is the product I like to use to control threats because it's easy on the beneficials. And we don't want to trigger spider mites with our thrift sprays. Very good. Before we wrap up here, um, you're a broadcaster yourself. I know you have done quite a few nice YouTube videos. Tell us a little bit about those videos and the topics you cover and where uh, people can find them. Well, they, they can find them on my YouTube channel, but I do, since I cover a broad range of crops, I, I do all crops. I interview the uh, specialists and the researchers and we'll actually go out in the field and show the problem or the pest. And then I do some in, in studio. And I also try to in, uh, interview, uh, I shouldn't say try, I do interview some of our top growers. And one thing I've seen about other growers is they like to see what other growers are doing that's been successful. So I've had several of our top growers on just recently. I've had uh, our the record holder for corn yield in uh, Alabama talk about getting their planters ready, and that's been a popular uh, video. I've also had uh, Nick McMeekin, who was the farmer that we did the TRIPS trial on, and uh, that, that's got a lot of views too. So I think farmers like to see what other farmers are doing. They like to see what other successful farmers are doing, and they they like they really you, you can tell them something, but if you show them what another farmer's done, they're more likely to adopt that practice or or change what they're doing. Fantastic. Well, I think with that we'll wrap up the conversation here, Eddie. We really appreciate you joining us today, and we'll have you back sometime. I appreciate it, Frank, and thank you for having me. And that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. As always, thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your farmer friends about this podcast. Here's how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion, or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, Subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. This podcast is produced by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues back at the world headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Jim Stedman. His name's Frank Giles. And we'll be back with you in two weeks with another episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, happy planting and planting and stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farmer.